around and they called my from to have the class from somewhere else from another part of the world. We are all home back and happy. This class today, we're going to learn the parsha that we're learning this week. We're going to learn this week, Achrei and Gdoshim, it's two parshas. In parshas Achrei, we read about the loss of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is, uh, is the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. We all go to synagogue, we pray, we fast. In the time of the temple, the focal point of Yom Kippur was in the temple. That was the main part. The high, it was it was the high priest's job. He was busy on Yom Kippur. That was his day. You see, the high priest is the holiest man in the Jewish by the Jewish people. The priest, the Kohen. There is three levels of the Jewish people: Kohen, Levi, Israel. Kohen is the highest level. Within the Kohen, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, is the holiest person at least should be the holiest person, let's put it this way, by the Jewish people. Then on Yom Kippur, the holiest person of the Jewish people and the holiest day in the Jewish calendar enters to the holiest place of the Jewish people. It was the holiest place in the inside, the, the temple was in Jerusalem. In the temple itself, it was the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. This little room that you were only allowed, only the high priest was allowed to enter once a year. And there, when he entered in Yom Kippur, he actually atoned and he prayed for the sins of the whole Jewish people. And he got from God a good deal for everybody. Basically, God had forgiven for the Jewish people. And, and, uh, and that's why he went in. And we learn now. In this parsha, it's written the service of Yom Kippur. Actually, what we do now after the temple is destroyed, basically God gave us, God gave the, the job of Yom Kippur to every Jew. It's not anymore a job for, um, for the high priest. Every one of us is a little bit of high priest. Everyone has to go and uh, to pray. And we, we actually read on Yom Kippur in that's called the Seder Avodah, the old service that the high priest used to do in the temple. We read about it because you cannot do it, at least we learn about it. We talk about that, so to speak. You know, when you don't have your child in front of you, you talk about them. When your children are home, you never talk to them and you never talk about them. When your children are out of town, you talk to them on the phone, you spend time, you talk about them because it's fulfilling a need, a, um, a void that you don't have because your kids are not next to you. Then the same thing is with the temple. When we had the temple, we had the high priest doing it. It was more a service that was completely focused on Jerusalem. The whole focus of Jerusalem, it's all about there. And the rest of the Jews just needed to fast, but they didn't pray, especially not in the first temple. It was all about the high priest inside the temple. Then we'll start with the text and we'll go from there. Uh, Rabbi, you're the first one on, on, the, on, the, on the computer, on the screen. Okay. God said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron not to indiscriminately enter the inter-sanctuary behind the curtain concealing the ark, and he will not die. For in a cloud, I will appear on the ark's cover. Aaron should enter this inter-sanctuary with a young bull for a sin offering, 
and a ram for a burnt offering. He must wear a sacred linen tunic and linen pants, gird himself with a linen sash, and bind his head with a linen turban. These are sacred garments. He must immerse in water and then don them. Just pay attention to the wall there. He should, God tells Moses, tell Aaron, he shouldn't come whenever he wants to the, into inside the temple. Behind the curtain, it means to, into the Holy of Holies, in front of the ark, because he will die. But, uh, for in a cloud, I will appear on the ark's cover. We have to, literally, it means that God used to, the cloud of glory used to come, so to speak, and uh, hover the, the whole, the, the, the temple, the portable sanctuary, the Mishkan in the desert. But it has more than one, but this meaning is more than that, as we'll learn soon. Go ahead, continue. You shall take a pan full of fiery coals from the altar before God and a double handful of fine ketoret incense and bring them beyond the curtain, beyond the curtain. And he shall place the incense on the fire before God. The ketoret smoke will envelop the cover of the art of testimony and he will not die. And how could he, when he goes to the temple, when he enters the temple, how should he come? What should he bring with him? He has to bring a full, um, a pen full of fiery coals. And, he, and this has to be fine torres, incense. The incense was to, to offer, they used to offer incense in the temple every day. But on Yom Kippur, every day they used to offer it inside the temple, but in the main sanctuary, if you want. It was a special altar, a small altar made for the incense. But on Yom Kippur, you had to take this fiery incense and enter with them into the Holy of Holies. And the smoke of the incense should cover up the kaporet, is the, is the cover of the, of the ark, where the two cherubs are. The, the smoke had to cover up, you shouldn't be able to see anything, basically. It was like a cloud of incense, of smoke. That's when we this year to enter the, the Holy of Holies. Only this way should not. Now it was a special way out to do the incense. The Talmud tells us a story. There was a family in Jerusalem where the secret, you know, like Coca-Cola is a secret, how to do it. They had a secret of the how to create, to make the incense that the smoke should go up like a pillar in a beautiful way and make a bit, not should fly all over direction. The smoke should not go to any direct, to other directions. The Talmud tells a story that once they, they charged a lot of money for the secret. And they said they don't want to give out the secret because they're afraid that other people will use the secret of incense for other idol worship places. They want it should be just for God. Then uh, the custodians of the temple in the second temple said, you know, these guys, they're charging too much. We'll find somebody else. They want, they, they, they uh, what it's called in today's world, they go out and they, they, they put it on, on a beat. Who, who, can give a better, who can give a better price? Yeah. And they found, they bought other professionals from Egypt who said that they know how to make incense. They made incense and the smoke did not go the way it used to be in the smoke, it flew all over. And the rabbis told them, you have to hire these people back and you give them, you pay them whatever it costs, they know how to do it and finished. 
and what it was a very it was a very special thing that was considered the holiest service inside the temple because ktoret the incense is the most it's 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 smell right it's all about the smell it was good smell good aroma for god so to speak this is the most refined part within the physical world what is the most refined part that we can give god is smell good smell god is a spiritual it's a spiritual concept then we're trying to find the most refined the most spiritual within the physical that's ktoret that's the incense then that's the job we have to get the, the high priest has to enter the holy of holies with a pen of fiery coals and then the smoke has to be full in the in the whole in the whole, the whole room has to be full with the smoke of the incense that's I, the only god go and the davening it talks about not being able to put honey in there it's true and it also talks about the water of reglaim or something we weren't allowed to use that or yes 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 different things why. That you're not allowed to. Water of Aglaim means, you know what it means? It means uh, urining. Oh. Now you understand? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's in the temple, it's not nice to do it. That's in general. And also honey cannot be a part of anything in the temple. Salt as much as you want, honey no. Why not honey? Is there a particular reason? Yeah, there is a reason. I remember, maybe I think because it's coming from a um, from, from a bee, I think that's the reason. I don't remember. I remember there is a reason. Yes, there is a reason. Hmm. I think I think I once spoke about that, but it was a many years ago, and I forgot. I think it's also you know in Judaism there is a hobby. life is tough. Um, then this is what's written inside the text. Okay, now we'll learn what Maimonides says. Um, Michael, you want to read? Unmute yourself. Heresy sprung up in Israel in the Second Temple era and uh, Sadducees. How are you saying Sadducees? Sadducees. Okay, okay. Well, we have to stop right here. Sadducees. Sadducees. The Sadducees. Sadducees. Emerge. Who are the Sadducees? The Sadducees are a people are part of the Jewish people. It started from a guy, it's called Sadducees in Hebrew, it's called Tzedukim. Tzedukim, it comes after the name of the person, his name is Tzadok. Tzadok was a disciple of Rabbi Gamliel, I think, uh, Antignos, of Antignos. Antignos was a rabbi, we learned it in Pirkei Avot, in the ethics of our father. Antignos was a rabbi who taught his students something, a very a profound concept, a very commendable thing. He said, when you serve God, don't serve him because you're going to get rewarded for it. Serve him because God asked you to do it, because it's the right thing to do. That's what he told them. Isn't this a very right thing to do? Don't do it because he will pay me. Do it because God, because God said something, it's the right thing to do. You have to serve God because it's God. And so you, you tell you, your child, you ask your child for a cup of water, tells you, what are you going to give me for it? I don't have to give you anything. If I ask you for a cup of water, should, you should be, should be honored to give me a cup of water. I'm your father. It's a mitzvah. The, the, he had a disciple with the name Tzadok. Another disciple, but main disciple was Tzadok. Tzadok came out and he says, oh, you know why the rabbi told us we should not expect reward? 
because there is no reward. The whole business of afterlife is a made-up story that you go to heaven and God is going to give you a reward. There is no reward. And from this started a whole movement of people who be believe only in the written Torah. They believe only, it's written in the Bible, it's true. Not written in the Bible, not true. They don't believe in the old tradition, not what the Talmud says, not what the rabbi said, nothing. They only believe in things that's written. They became a movement that were called the Tzdukim, the Sadducees. Now, what's the problem with the Sadducees? The biggest problem is that the Torah should not be taken in a literal sense. What do I mean with that? First of all, where it's where, when it's dangerous, why, where do you see, can you give me an example that it's dangerous to take the Torah in a literal sense? Anybody? An eye for an eye. Very good, an eye for an eye. It's written in the Torah that if, you if Mr. A took out from Mr. B an eye, Mr. B, the Beidin, the Jewish coach, will take out from Mr. A also an eye, an eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth, a hand for an hand, that's written in the text. The rabbis came and said, it's not an eye for an eye. You pay the worth of an eye. What does this mean? You take a person that with two eyes, what kind of a job you can do? How much you can make for, for a living? Then you take, you take the same person, let's say he was a surgeon and he had two eyes, he can do surgeries. With one eye, I don't know if he can do surgeries. Then how much he lost because of this, that's how much you have to pay him. That's what the rabbis told us. But if you don't go by the rabbis, an eye for an eye. That's what's written in the text. That first of all, the Sadducees became much more cool. Well, the rabbi... Go ahead. You said, Rabbi, I asked you once about, um, for example, um, you know, stoning somebody to death. You know, I'll just use the... Um, Man should not lay with man or whatever. Uh, just no, as no, 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 no. But you say about stoning to death, or it says you should kill somebody if they do this or that. And I said, do you really? Why don't we kill people? These and you said, well, it's not a literally kill. It's it's that probably what should happen to them. That's what the rabbis say. Uh, interpretation, not literally kill somebody for doing something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. It depends where and where. But usually we never, the bathing never killed almost anybody. As we'll go, we'll, we'll go into it. But there is another example. For example, Shabbat. It's written you're not allowed to make a fire on Shabbat, right? The rabbi said, teach us, that you can make a fire from before Shabbat and enjoy the fire on Shabbat, like lighting candles on Friday night, like before Shabbat and we sit by the table in front of the candles. According to the Sadducees, you're not allowed to have a fire on Shabbat, no matter what. They didn't eat hot food and they sat in the dark, right? Exactly, then they sat in the dark. Then the whole mitzvah of candle lighting, the Sadducees didn't do, because you cannot do it, because you cannot enjoy a light on Shabbat. It became worse than that. On Shabbat, we all know that for when it's a matter of life and death, you're allowed to violate the Shabbat, to violate the Shabbat. To go to the hospital, you have to go to the Shabbat too. It's not written in the Bible. It's the rabbis told us. It's not written in the Bible. You can violate Shabbat for, for saving lives. If you take the Torah literal, in a literal way, literally, 
you, 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 uh, they, 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 they <laughs> let people bleed to death because you cannot do anything in Shabbat. Basically, it became a very cruel tradition. That's number one. That's the biggest problem with the, with, with the Sadducees. Problem number two is the Torah is written in such a way that you cannot take it literally. For example, yeah. Rav, what's the example for it? You cannot, the literally, you don't even, there is things that you cannot observe in a literal way. You don't understand, you don't know how to do it. For example, film. It's written in the Torah, in the Shema, you should tie it on your end and between your eyes, right? But it's not written what to tie. Then what should I do? On one end, I have a commandment. I should tie it as a sign on your end, and basically a sign between your eyes. But I don't know how to do it. That if I do nothing, I disobey the law. But I don't know what to do. If I go, I said, I want to do the literal thing. What is the literal thing? It's not written. The Torah is not written clear purposely that the rabbi should fill in. Then now let's say I decide that it's not film, it's potatoes. <laughs> okay. Potatoes is also not written. That no matter what you're going to do now, it's a commentary that you're not a true Sadducee. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever you're going to do now with the mitzvah is something that's not written. Then you need anyway a commentary. Then why should they take your commentary? I'd rather take the commentary that comes from Moses. Or another example. It's written in a, God tells Abraham he should circumcise his son. He should circumcise his foreskin. I mentioned that in the, in the past. What is the foreskin? It doesn't say the foreskin of what. Now, whatever you're going to circumcise will be already a commentary. That on one hand, I say, because I don't know what to cut, I'm not cutting anything. That you don't fulfill the Bible. The Bible says you have to cut something. If I cut something, that's again not written in the Bible. That's again, I need a commentary for it. Then it end up, the Sadducees end up to write their own books because you cannot observe the Bible without the commentary. You understand what I'm saying? They end up to write their books. Then why should I take their books that they made up? I'd rather take the Bible, the, the Talmud, the, the rabbis, the tradition that goes on for 3,000 years. This was the Sadducees. And at the time of the second temple, it was a very big part of the Jewish people. The rich part, they were the high society. Mm. <laughs> and, and they were controlling the connections with the Romans. Now what happened in the second temple? A big part of the second temple, the Romans controlled the, state, the land of Israel. And who was, who was the high priest? Yohanan Kohen Gadol, right? Yohanan Kohen was in the beginning when things were good. Later, things got bad. Well, he became a Sadducee, didn't he? Yeah, in the end of his life. Very good, yes. Why he died. Yeah. But he was a, he was a high priest for many years. Later, you used to get the job, you used to buy the job. Whoever paid more <coughs> got the job. If you're a Kohen, let's say Steve is a Kohen. If he pays enough to the government, he would become the high priest. Then many of the high priests were Sadducees, you understand? That was the problem. They were the high priest. And what happened when a, when a high priest enters the temple, he is not a holy man. 
he dies. He dies, or he dies inside the temple, or he dies within the first year. That in the first that bribery, temple, Rabbi, what you what? said. What? It's bribery. Bribery, yes. Steve, if Steve pays the most, he gets yes. to be the high priest. Yes, yes, and he pays in cash because only yeah, God trusts everybody else pays cash. <laughs> but isn't that bribery? Sure, it's bribery. <laughs> Okay. We are not in a perfect world. Maybe you are living in a perfect world. But yeah, even <laughs> at the time of the second temple, not everybody was perfect. Then, So did this, Rabbi, in part, is this what sort of uh, started part of the environment for Christianity coming out? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, sure. Yeah, that was the beginning of later involved into yes, that was and it was corrupted and Christianity was the people in Christianity, the early Christians were against it. That was the whole thing. Then these people, in the for example, in the first temple, over 410 years, 18 high priests served in the first temple. Over 400 years, 410 years. In the second temple. The second temple stood for 420 years. Over 300 high priests served in the second temple. It was a revolving door. In and out, in and out of the world. In and, that was in and out. And you know, it's amazing to think about that. And, and people still paid for it, for the experience to go into the holy temple, in the holy of holies and Yom Kippur. They, they, they knew they're going to die. You know, when, you're number, when somebody is number 252, he should know by now, then things are established that you don't survive, right? We're ready to pay to have the experience to get into the Holy of Holies. It's unbelievable. This is the Sadducees. Okay, um, Michael, read it again, this paragraph from the beginning. Yeah. So, and the Sadducees emerged, and may they speedily perish who rejected the oral law. They maintained they maintain that the Yom Kippur incense is first placed on coals in the outer sanctuary outside the uh, curtain of the Holy of Holies. And when its smoke rises, it's brought into the Holy of Holies. Okay, they learned, they understood, they understood from the Bible that the service inside the, te in the temple is going like this. See, the Holy of Holies was covered by a curtain. It was not a wall. Between the big sanctuary and the Holy of Holies was a curtain. Actually, two curtains. But they, they, they said you have to start the fire outside, and if it becomes a real fire, then, then, you, then you walk in with us to the Holy of Holies. And the rabbis received from tradition, then you have to, the whole course, everything has to be done inside the, inside the Holy of Holies. That they used to do it differently. And you know, that's the Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. The whole Jewish people, is looking forward for the high priest entering the Holy of Holies and praying an atonic for the Jewish people. Then they were very worried if, they, if things would be done in the wrong way. Maybe God will not even atone for the Jewish people. Rabbi, what is, what is right now closest thing of uh, holy priest go, coming, going into uh, the Holy of Holies? I mean, what is, what is it right now? We don't, we don't have a temple. We don't have. No, I understand, but I mean, it's it somehow all the things a uh, little bit emerged, changed, but some kind of tradition which is kind of represent this, you okay, know, like like smoke, incense, all of this stuff, like from 
something I know comes to mind is like Havdalah's smell or something like this. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe and I know I, I, in the incense because it's such an important thing. We actually do not use incense today in today's services, today's world. Jewish people don't use incense. But you know, for example, in the synagogue, the ark is standing in front of the in front of the sanctuary, and there is a curtain on top of it. Mm-hmm. It's to remember the concept of the curtain that was in front of the Holy of Holies. Okay. That's why it's called the Ark, just like the Ark of the Covenant, the two tablets in the temple. Here we put the Torah inside the Ark. And the the the, the chazan who stands by the Ark is like the coin who represents the Jewish people a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? Wow. It's called it's a, a priestly blessing. Uh, and yeah, there is a priestly blessing on the holidays. This is remembering the priestly blessing that was in the temple. Yes. But what he says that a high priest enters the Holy of Holies, that wasn't, there was not the same thing. But uh, we don't have the same thing, a similar thing in today's world, at least not what comes to my mind. Then um, the day that that was the argument, how you do the service on Yom Kippur. And the problem was that many times the high priest wore Sadducees. That was the problem. Then let's continue what my mind is. What's the logic? The rationale? The rationale was based on Torah's phrase. For in a cloud I will appear on the ark's cover. They understood this is a reference to the clouds of incense. But our sages learned from the oral tradition that incense is to be placed on the coals in the holy holies before the ark, as the verse states. And he shall place the incense on the fire before God. Since the high priest in the second temple era were suspect of heresy, the elders would have him take an oath of the day preceding Yom Kippur. They would tell him, My sir, the high priest, were, were agents of the court, and you are our agent and agent of the court. We administer an oath to you in the name of the he who causes his name to dwell in the houses that do not deviate from our instructions. Okay, the high priest used to get before Yom Kippur a training session. He needed, he needed for seven days, he was, he was preparing for entering the temple because it was a very complicated service. It was a whole day in and out. He had to go to the mikveh five times during the day and change his clothing from gold clothing to white to linen clothing back and forth. Then there was a whole training. And after they told them exactly how to do it, is to tell them, we are making you, giving you a note that you will not change one thing. We are the agents of the Beidin. You are our agent and the agent of the Beidin and the agent of the old Jewish people. And we make, we make you swear that you will not change one thing that the way, the way tradition is, is saying is, is planning to do it. Why we have to tell them that? Because on Yom Kippur, only is there. Nobody sees him. Nobody knows what he's doing in the holy or in the holy of holies. You understand? That's a problem. The room is closed. It's only the only person he can do there. He can do inside whatever he wants. Then they have to give him an oath to make sure he doesn't do it. He, he had to promise. He had to swear that that's what he's going to do. And then comes the interesting part. Go ahead, finish this paragraph. 
He would turn away and cry for being suspected of heresy, and they would turn away and cry because they suspected the person without knowing his opinions. Maybe he had no such thoughts in his heart. You hear? By the end, after they already swore to him, they made him swear that he shouldn't change. He used to go, he used to go and cry. Why he cried? Because they suspected maybe he's going to change. Why should, why should he even suspect it? He's a good Jew. He's a, not all of them were Sadducees. They didn't know he's a Sadducee or he's not. You don't know what is a person's heart. That used to make it became the tradition, the protocol. They make every coin swear that he will not change. That he later used to walk away and cry that the rabbis, the Beidin, the old the elders, they are, they, are, they are suspecting him that maybe he's going to change the system, he's going to change the service on Yom Kippur, the most important service within the day and the most important day of the year in the most important place is going to change. They suspected him he will do such a terrible thing that for being suspected, you know, if somebody tells you, you know, I think you can, I, I suspect you, I don't trust you and you might be a thief. You will be very insulted, right? Very insulted. I'm a thief. How dare you say to you, you, you suspect me of such a thing? Then the same thing here, he was, he was hurt. He was crying that people suspect him that he could change the, 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 the service. And they cried. Why they cried? Because you're not allowed to suspect somebody that there is no reason to suspect, to, to, to assume that he will do something wrong. So, so, so Rabbi, yeah. it, it sort of implies that the community didn't know the Kohens at all. You don't know, you know, every client will tell you, sure, I'll do the right thing, I'll do the right thing. You don't know who, who is what. Don't, but they didn't know these people? They, they didn't have any relationship? You know, it's, you know, but you know, people say, you know, I will do all the right thing, don't worry, I promise you. You know, like politicians, you said you spoke against these people. No, that was before. Now I'm not like this. I regret it. It was a mistake. The, the words were taken out from the contents. You know this thing? Yeah. You've never met people like this? Wow. Then, then, then you don't know who is really. And look, like you mentioned, Ra mentioned before, Yohanan Kohen Gadol was, was a high priest and by the end of his life became a Sadducee. That somebody can change his mind. You don't know. People, people change their mind, people, people change. And because you don't know who is whom, then you made a, they made a system. They, so they, they make every high priest that's a part of the protocol, he has to swear that they will not change. But this is the last piece, that's what you're going to talk about. They even to cry that they suspected them and they cried, maybe they suspected somebody for no reason. Okay, now, um, Olga, you want to read? The Rebbe's talk. One second. You see it? Maimonides writes, um, heresy sprung up in Israel in the Second Temple era, era and the Sadducees emerged. May they speedily perish who rejected the oral law. They uh, may, what is that? Maintain it's a mistake. It's a mistake. The Yom Kippur um, incense is first place on calls in the sanctuary outside of curtains of the Holy of Holies, and when it's and, and when it's smoke 
uh, rises, it is brought into the Holy of Holies. The rationale was based on the Torah's phrase for in a cloud I will appear on the ark's cover. They understood this is a reference to the cloud of incense. But our sages learned from the oral traditions that the incense is to be placed on the on the coals in the Holy of Holies before the ark, as the verse states, and he shall place the incense on the fire before God. Yeah, then that's that's what we just learned before. Go ahead. Since the high priest of the second temple era were suspect of heresy, the elders would have him take an oath on the day preceded Yom Kippur. They would tell him, my sir, the high priest, we are agents of the court and you are our agent and an agent of the court. We administer an oath to you in the name of uh, he who causes his name to dwell in, his in this house, that you not deviate from our instructions. He would uh, turn away and cry for being suspected of heresy, and they would turn away and cry because <clears throat> they suspected a, a person without knowing his opinions. Maybe he had no such thought in his heart. Yeah, and so far, this is the a quote from Maimonides. Go ahead, this is quite puzzling. Uh, I continue? Uh, no, it's Steve, continue. Uh, Steve, okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is quite puzzling. Why did they force the high priest to swear that he won't deviate and then cry for suspecting him? If it is considered undesirable behavior to suspect him, why did they administer the oath without investigating his opinions? And if Torah rules that the oath must be administered regardless, why cry? They had merely fulfilled God's instructions. Mm -hmm. Another question, why would the high priest cry for being administered the oath? Was he responsible for being suspected? They suspect him. Why should he cry? Exactly. Then the question is why they cried, why he cried. That's the question. Why is everybody crying? Wipe your tears and be happy. And be happy. What is this crying business? Okay. Um, Oleg, you want to continue? Rabbi Ruben Ben Israelin uh, said, a person won't be suspected of something unless he did it. He did not do it fully. He did partially. If he did not do it partially, he planned to do it. And if he didn't plan to do it, he saw others do it and he was happy. You see what's going on here? The Talmud says like this, Rabbi Uberman, it really says, then if you suspect a person on something, there is something there. Maybe he didn't do it, but he did a little bit. Maybe he was thinking about doing it. Maybe he saw other people doing it, he was happy. He has a connection to it. If he had no connection to it, you wouldn't even suspect him. Don't think about that. Nobody suspects you guys or me to kill somebody on the street. Because it's not even, you don't even think about such things. You know, there is, the, there is a story about a guy, his teacher calls him and he tells him, you know, they say you run around in the bars and the at night instead of being in the yeshiva. Says, Rabbi, I never did it. He slaps him and he tells him, you want it to be true too? <laughs> you understand? This that they said about you, it's already bad news. Why they don't say it about me? The rabbi told them. Nobody suspected me to go to the bars. Why they say it about you? If they said about you that you're going running around the bars, that's bad enough. That means that there is, there is some smoke there. 
then this that means that's why it gives us a little glimpse why he was that's why he was crying when he was suspected because being suspected means that there is something to it just a second Okay, um, when do you want to read the next, uh, the next um, source? Sure. The high priest would place the incense in a pan on Yom Kippur and enter the most sacred spot, the Holy of Holies. If the cloud of incense ascended upward like a cluster of grapes, he knew that Israel's sins were forgiven and his service was acceptable. But if the smoke of the incense did not cover the ark, he knew that he would die. You hear? The incense business was not a joke. If the smoke went all over the, the, the room, he knew God had forgiven the Jewish people. If it didn't walk out, if it didn't cover, the incense did not cover the ark, he knew that he would die. And that day, it doesn't mean he will die this minute, but he will not make it for the next day. Consequently, consequently, the high priest and all Israel trembled from the moment the high priest entered the Holy of Holies until he withdrew in peace. When he would exit, the people of Israel would rejoice that it had been received favorably. See, the whole nation used to wait to hear, is he out? Is he out? And therefore the rabbis used to tell him, don't pray in the Holy of Holies a long prayer. We can't take it. We have a weak heart and don't even pray out when you used to go outside of the it's written you used to say a short prayer after it inside the holy of holies he didn't pray at all he used to pray in his mind but not with words because it was such a high place such a special moment that even words are not there is no place for words there but he used to walk out from the holy of holies he used to make a, a short prayer tfilaktara then the Talmud says, "White They told them, "Bocher, don't pray too long. We need you outside alive. When you are outside alive, we know we know things are good. Then you, it's like you know, you know your, ch your children go on a trip, and you can't wait for them to be back. You want them to see back. You let them go to the trip because they want to go. They want to go, but you can't wait to see them back. Then the same thing is here. We wanted to see the high priest. Then we know that the, that the Jewish people were forgiven." For the only, that's what the Medrash says. Um, God said, God said, of all the sacrifices you offer, the incense is the most beloved. Look how most beloved. Go ahead. Go Look ahead. how precious Ketoret is. A plague was halted by Ketoret. As Moses said to Aaron, take your fire pan and put fire on it from the altar and place Ketoret upon it. Aaron took it as Moses instructed and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had begun among the people. Anybody remembers the story? With the Ktoret, how important Ktoret is? What was the story, remember? Anybody? There was a plague in the Jewish people and, God, and Moses told Aaron, take a pen with, with incense 
run between the living and the dead and stop the plague. The Jewish people complained about God, about Moses. And God had upset the Jewish people and a plague started among the Jewish people. It was after the story of Korah. Yeah. After the story, of, right after the story of Korah. Yeah, Moses turned there and says, God, the, the, the Torah, the incense, is so powerful that stops the plague. That's why, that's why how is he going to do with the incense was so important to the Jewish people because this will decide if it's going to be a good year or not to the Jewish people. Okay, um, Barry, you want to continue the explanation? You're muted. The explanation, the high priest would turn away and cry. Because as our sages taught, a person won't be suspect unless, in other words, if you are suspected, you clearly are somewhat capable of it. If it was indeed out of the question, you would never have been suspected of it. They would turn away and cry because they suspected a person without knowing his opinion. Maybe he had no such thoughts in his heart. They were compelled to administer the oath, despite the unpleasantness of the exchange, to ensure that the Yom Kippur service in the Holy of Holies was executed properly. For the Ketoret service of the high priest in the Holy of Holies was a most important service that had profound implications for the Jewish people's upcoming year. The high priest... The high priest, bull, and ram had various levels of significance. There was the sacrifice of the high priest, of his household and of his tribe, and of the entire people of Israel, and other sacrifices as well. However, the Ketoret service on Yom Kippur was a singular service that was carried out only once a year on the holiest day in the holiest spot, the Holy of Holies, and by the most sanctified Jew in the nation, the holy nation, as the verse states, and Aaron was separated to be sanctified as holy of holy. It means to say it was a very, very important service. Because of the, um, Rab, you want to continue? Because of the lofty nature of the service, it was important to do everything possible to ensure that it was carried out correctly, even if it would imply that we suspect another Jew. Nonetheless, they retained their feelings of Ahava, Havat Yisrael. They were profoundly disturbed by the fact that they needed to suspect another Jew, even by the command of the Torah, to the point that they were moved to tears, which, according to Kabbalah, represent extensions of our intellect. In other words, the more they contemplated the matter, the more they could not contain their distress, to the point that it expressed their tears. They, they were crying. They had to do it because that was the protocol. And the other one, they were crying, how dare we take this important high priest and we, and we assume that he's a bad guy and then we need to get to administrate a hold that he might change it. Because to assume of a good person that he's a Sadducee, it's not just that he, he, you assume, oh, he might do something wrong. It means that you assume that he doesn't believe in the old tradition, that he's completely on a different page, that he's, like an, he's an heretic. How dare you assume on a good man that he's an heretic? That's why they cry. Um, Michael, continue. Here is a story about a high priest who thought it is a big chokham. Our rabbis taught, 
It once happened that the Sadducees burned their incense before entering the Holy of Holies. When he exited, he was overjoyed, and he happened to meet his father. His father told him, although we are Sadducees, we are weary of the uh, Pharisees. Pharisees are the name of the, of the traditional Jews. They were called the Prussian, the Pharisees. He says, we are Sadducees, but we are not stupid. When, we, they, when you're going into the temple, you better do the way the Pharisees are saying. We are Sadducees for political reasons, but, we are, but, we, but when it comes to, when push comes to shove, when you enter the Holy of Holies and you want to come out alive, you better do it the right way. The right way. You know, we know, we know that they are right. That's basically what his father told them. He responded. He responded, all my days I was, all my days I was pained by the verse, for in a cloud I will appear on the ark's cover, when I would have an opportunity to fulfill it. And now what I had an opportunity, I shouldn't fulfill it. He says, all my life I learned that this is the this is the truth meaning of the world, that with a cloud will be the whole argument of the Sadducees, as we learned before. You have to enter with a cloud, you have to enter when you have already a cloud. And here, and, and that means I have to start to fire the fire outside the temple, outside the Holy of Holies, and enter with it. Now I'm not going to fulfill it. I'm finally the high priest. I finally have the opportunity. I did it the right way. I did it my way, the Sadducees' way. His father didn't tell him the truth, the secret, before he entered the temple. Then Chochem, we saying it for political reasons, but we really know that the Pharisees are right. What happened to him? It was sad. It wasn't long before he died and was disposed in a garbage heap with worms exiting his nostrils. So what a picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what happens when you are Chochem. No, you think you're Chochem, right? Exactly. When you think you're Chochem. It's called the Eiber Chochem in Yiddish. A smart Alec. You're right. Uh, okay, Olga, you want to continue? Sure. It's a little, one second. Let me, let me do something. That's better. Okay. Take a lesson from the elders. Here we see the great value of loving your fellow. The teaching speaks of the day before Yom Kippur, when everyone is occupied with their uh, preparations for the holiday of forgiveness. The elders of the uh, court were making the final preparations to ensure that the Yom Kippur um, ketoret uh, offering in the Holy of Holies would be carried out properly. And they therefore administered the oath to the high priest. And after they had fulfilled their Torah-given obligation in a matter of significant uh, and so uh, vital, they would leave in tears because they were forced to suspect another Jew. And this was canonized as a ruling by Maimonides regarding the Yom Kippur service. Maimonides writes it as a fact, as something that you have to do. They have to cry, he has to cry, and they have to cry. It means it became... My mother just wanted to make a statement here. I want to say what it is. Okay, uh, Steve, you want to continue? Uh, yes. This is if we need a lesson about mm -hmm. the significance of loving your fellow, this one law will do. As said, the physical temple no longer exists, but nevertheless, it is represented in a spiritual form through our thoughts and speech, in prayer, and even in action by fulfilling deeds that aren't limited to the temple era. The same is true here. We learn a powerful lesson about the significance of loving your fellow. Okay. Um, 
what, what is the significance lesson? What the Rebbe is saying here, look what it is. They did what they're supposed to do. They did the protocol. And just because they suspected a person, maybe in something that's not true, they walked away and cried. That's how sensitive the Beidin was from suspecting a person. They didn't hurt them. They didn't accuse them. They, nothing. They just told them, they just told them, don't change what they told them already. Don't change. That's it. And they went, walked away and cried. How dear they made a person feel maybe they think he's not right. Maybe they think he will not do the right thing. Rabbi said, this is an amazing lesson. How sensitive we have to be to another person. I was there when the Rabbi gave the talk. I was there and I remember that. When the Rabbi was speaking about that, how much the lessons to be for to loving your fellow Jew, the Rabbi Choktar, he was kind. He was say, if we need a lesson, what, how much we have to be sensitive to another per, uh, person's respect and dignity, this is a perfect example. Oleg, you want to finish it? Yeah. This, all, uh, this all connects to Simcha Torah. Torah. The Rebbe spoke about that, and the... What is going down here? Okay, um, this was said on Shabbos after Simcha Torah. And the Rebbe was speaking, it was right when he spoke about Simcha Torah, he's speaking about this too. Go ahead. We see that on Simcha Torah, a situation might arise in which you do not prepare uh, properly respect another person's dignity. And it's even possible they will push him. You need to understand, the Rebbe was speaking in 770. Simcha Torah was the highlight of the year. There were thousands of people of Simcha Torah. When I used to go after the holidays by the Rebbe, I was able to, to count every bone in my body. That's how bad the pushing was. Then you need to understand that people were not so sensitive and say, I'm sorry, please, can I move? There was no I'm sorry, no please. It was a matter of survival. You're going to be closer or the other guy is going to be closer. Both of you cannot be closer. It was, it was very, very harsh to survive them. Only the young were able to survive. And I remember I came for the, for the after I was already in Solomon, I came for some pastora, and I thought I was fainting. I was not used to anymore to this pushing. And somebody next to me tells me, just hold on, give it another minute, you'll, sort, you'll, get, you'll get over it. And that's, the, the, the Rebbe is speaking about a lesson for Abad Israel to the people who are in the synagogue at the time. He was speaking at that time when he was speaking, it was a forbring and the place was packed, he couldn't breathe. Thousands of people on top of each other. Now you can read it again. Or we yeah. see. <laughs> the above lesson teaches us how careful uh, we must be to preserve another person's dignity. Even when the elders of the court fulfill their obligation, administering the oath of the, to the, of the high priest to fulfill their instructions without adding anything else, it still brought them to tears. We raise this subject because of the situation. If someone suspected we may have pushed a fellow without a pure, a pure intentions, everything will be forgiven if you'll apologize to the individual. But it needs to be, it needs to uh, bother you to the point of tears. You push them by mistake. 
but it should hurt you so much. You should get, you should be able, you should cry from that. You should be so upset of hurting somebody else that you'll cry. I remember, you know, this, this, your story kind of reminds me of Russian buses and uh, rush hour and everybody had to get in the bus. And uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this, the same way you kind of, you, you, you forced yourself into the bus because otherwise you won't be able to get in. It was so packed. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in, the, in Israel and it was the same story with the bosses. But here it was, everybody wanted to see the Rebbe. Everybody wanted to hear his talk. And it was a matter, it cannot be, if you stay too far, you cannot hear, you cannot see. And it was the same person who can invite you to his house and keep you in his house for free for a whole month, feed you and take care of you. The same person comes to 770 will push you. Because it's a, this has nothing to do with loving you. I love you. You, you can come to my house, live a whole year in my house. But here, it's me. It's, I need to hear the Rebbe. I want to hear the Rebbe. Really, a person was ready to give his place for somebody else. Everybody had his own place, inheritance from his uncle, from his dad. And those all stories and stories. You can, I can talk to you forever about that. I, when I came to 770, I had all the brothers that I came like a king. They told me, you stay here and you stay there and you do this and you do this. All my friends who came, they were, they didn't have any older brothers to show them what to do. They were in big trouble. Then, uh, but it was, it was very, very important. Your whole life was about, a whole week you were worried, are you going to have your right spot by the Fabring and Shabbos? You'll be able to hear the Rebbe or you'll not be able to hear the Rebbe? Your whole week was, so it was revolving around this because everybody wanted to hear what the Rebbe has to say. The Rebbe is to speak for hours, teach Torah, you see this? This is, a, this is a short Torah lesson for many, many hours of teachings. And, and, and especially when the Rebbe was dancing in Torah with the Torah, it was such a joy. But you know, it, was, it took a lot of, a lot of beating. Everybody was beaten down. But the Rebbe said, you, you do it, do it with mercy. Don't just have Rachmones on each other. Do it with love. Be respectful. Be care- Try to be as careful as possible about hurting another person. That was the Rebbe was begging his chassidim. But the lesson is about us. You know, we're very quick to suspect. We read something in the news. We say, oh, this person did it. Because it's written in the news. Then the guy goes to court, takes him three years to prove that he didn't do it. And then they write in the newspaper in three years from now, a little blurb. Oh, it, a blurb, it's, he didn't do it, right? And his career is ruined. Everything is wrong. We are so quick to suspect people they ruin their lives. This is an amazing lesson. The rabbis of, Be- of the Beidim, and they just told the person, don't change, don't alter the, the system. Just do what you're supposed to do. They walked away and cried. The news anchors will be crying day and night. What? The news anchors will be crying day and night. And they should cry day and night. Yeah. The problem is they make other people cry day and night. They don't cry day and night. That's the problem. Then it's it's really an amazing lesson. There is many stories about not assuming, not suspecting people, because many times you suspect people for things that they don't do. Many times, think, oh, he did this because of this because it's a whole different story. You know, say you, you think somebody didn't call you back. You know why? He doesn't like me. Then you hear he was in the hospital for two weeks. Mm. Understand? And you were thinking you already got walked up. You build up in your head a whole story that he hates you and he doesn't like you. He's in obnoxious. The guy was in the hospital. He couldn't talk. 
and so on and on. In any case, that's an amazing lesson that you can learn from this story. Thank you all for joining. Thank you, Rob. And we will we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Uh, you too. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Bye.